Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, Toronto writer and commentator. Twice a week, I offer my take on the world, from craven politics and unchecked ambition to secret sauces, bitter loss, and fist-pumping redemption. They're stories to live by. Quirky, high-style, tear-jerking, funny ha-ha, sometimes funny peculiar. My tales don't walk down the sidewalk and browse in the windows. They sneak into alleyways and come out onto different worlds. Alex Brown narrates each mini-podcast to bring to your ears what you see with your eyes in my twice-a-week blogs. And now, today's episode of Ramsey Writes. Feed the Arts, Grow the Nation. Written by Bob Ramsey. Why do arts groups argue for more funds from governments and corporate sponsors by using their second-best argument for that money? It goes like this. The arts produce huge economic benefits. Restaurants, hotels, neighborhoods, even cities can create a Bilbao effect, where one big attraction can transform an entire region. They also produce gobs of secondary jobs. So please give us your money. Until last year, the arts hardly ever used their main argument for support, because they were asking for money from people who dealt in it, and because that argument was so hard to prove. Then came the pandemic, and now it's time for the arts to tell us why we really need them, to connect their work with our lives, not just by offering a drink before the show, but the show itself. I'm going to ask you now to try and imagine what those past 13 months would have been like if you hadn't been able to read a book, listen to music, look at a favorite painting, watch a live stream performance, or binge watch a series on Netflix. I think we've all realized in a new and very personal way that the arts are an extraordinarily important source of mental health in dealing with the anxiety, the loneliness, and the isolation caused by a collective threat like COVID-19. In other words, in a crazy world, the arts keep us sane. Those words were spoken last week by Peter Herndorf to the Senate Action Group on Canadian Prosperity. If ever the arts had a godfather, it's him. And if ever the time is right to make the best argument for the arts, it's now. Chained to our laptops and phones for the past year, we've become global citizens in curating our own best-of lists from the world of arts and entertainment. Were it not for the plague, I wouldn't have known the vast treasures of the arts online, nor would arts groups have been forced to produce them. But Herndorf wasn't pleading with the senators for more funding for a sector that's been ravaged by the pandemic. He was asking them to set up a second Massey Commission. The first resulted in the Massey Report 70 years ago, in 1951, which protected us from the unconscious predations of American culture, gave birth to the Canada Council, and led to a strange case of arts worship from our habitually reasonable citizenry. An MIT study a few years ago tracked the best-known people in the world, country by country, and Canada was the only one whose top ten most recognized citizens are all artists. But Herndorf combines the main argument for the arts, they uplift and save your soul, with the backup argument, they make jobs, draw visitors, magnetize regions, into a third and more potent mega-argument for supporting the arts. The arts aren't just the arts. They're the critical intersection that links creativity, innovation, and the new digital world, known collectively as the creative industry sector. 
Now connecting the arts to tech is smart because it links dance and publishing and architecture to fashion, software development, and even AI. They're all united in their need for creativity, which has been called the production of social surprise, but I like to think of as not knowing where to draw the line. Herndorf hauls out some little-known facts about how big our creative industries are. Of the top 50 labour markets, the three that have gained the most tech talent are the San Francisco Bay Area, Seattle and Toronto, with Toronto growing the fastest of all 50 markets. When it comes to tech concentration, the city with the most tech jobs among all jobs is San Francisco. What's second? Ottawa, with nearly 10% of its workforce in tech jobs, and Toronto, Seattle and Washington DC rounding out the top five. He then gets to why he's really testifying before a Senate committee. We are proposing the establishment of a national, independent commission for Canada in the 21st century. Given that we're 21 years into that century, that social media and online platforms have made our old rules and boundaries as effective as Maginot lines against the future, and that our politicians are awash in sustainable development, why not make the arts more sustainable at the same time? Peter Herndorf ends his submission with these words. We don't just want to participate in the creative industries internationally. We want to play a leading role and to profit from it as a country. I remember 10 years ago when Doug Ford was a Toronto councillor. He wanted to cut funding to the Toronto Public Library, which he was unaware is the largest in North America and the busiest in the world. He decided to take on Margaret Atwood, said Ford. I don't even know her. If she walked by me, I wouldn't have a clue who she is. In the years since then, Mr. Ford has gone on to be a reliably inept Premier of Ontario. The Toronto Public Library turned some of its branches into food banks during the pandemic and enjoyed a huge uptake in its online services. Oh, and the 81-year-old widow, Margaret Atwood, has sold millions of copies of her books in scores of countries all over the world, making her an entire subsector of Canada's creative industries. Go figure. Today's Ramsey Writes was read by Alex Brown. For more information on Bob Ramsey, his work, and all the other things he does besides writing, go to ramseyinc.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y-I-N-C dot com.